was the last time you ate so much that you felt stuffed? Was it a big Thanksgiving meal? Or when you celebrated your best friend's birthday with that ginormous cake and ice cream? Maybe after a bad day, you almost finished a half gallon of ice cream along with some cookies while watching TV. How did you feel afterward? Frustrated that you ate so much you made your stomach hurt? Or did you play the guilt and shame game? Overeating every once in a while is normal. However, in compulsive eating, food is often the way of coping with negative emotions. Then you feel guilty, ashamed, depressed. These are different feelings than when you just ate too much at Thanksgiving. Well, don't go anywhere because bariatric psychologist Dr. Connie joins me to talk about compulsive eating and how to deal with those feelings of guilt and shame. They're back. Calcium Dark Chocolate Bars, a ProCare Health customer favorite. Now available online at ProCareNow.com. Creamy chocolate plus calcium and vitamin D. You'll love them too. Use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 138. Tired of all the hype and confusion when it comes to nutrition, especially bariatric nutrition. It's enough to make you say, forget about it. I don't know what to do. Well, I do. I know what to do. When it comes to your bariatric surgery, nutrition is specific. So let's cut through the hype. Let's get to the accurate nutrition information you need to know. Simple strategies that work in your real life. I created the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast for you. You're in the right place, and I'm glad you're listening. Hey, are you receiving my weekly newsletter, Breaking Down Nutrition? You'll be the first to know about helpful tips, the latest podcast, upcoming interviews that you don't want to miss, like today with Dr. Connie. Sign up on my website, BreakingDownNutrition.com. Joining me in the studio is Atlanta-based psychologist, Dr. Connie Stapleton. Well, if you're a regular listener, you know Dr. Connie brings her A-game every single visit, and she shares vast experience in the mental health aspect of bariatrics. She doesn't hold back. That's what I love. She gets right to the core of the issues. She always shares practical ways for you to improve your relationships with food, with other people, but most importantly, with yourself. And today, she's doing that with guilt and shame after compulsive eating. You can find links to Dr. Connie's website, as well as her podcast called Berry Aftercare in the show notes. Hello, Dr. Connie. Hello, Dr. Susan. It's so good to see you and talk to you again. Yeah, we get into some good stuff. You always bring to the table great information that's so helpful that really answers questions that come up in my Facebook group. I'm sure you get asked these by your clients. So today I want to start by explaining the difference, if you would, between compulsive eating and binge eating disorder, which is also called BED. Yes, there, you know, there is confusion about that. And like you said at the beginning, most of us overeat at times. And, you know, that's never a really great feeling, but it's a very different thing than binge eating disorder because binge eating disorder 
is a diagnosis that has specific criteria. And those criteria mean there's at least one binge eating episode every week for a long time, like three months. So while some of us overindulge like on occasion, like maybe once a month or once every couple of months, if you're doing this on a regular episode, and the thing about binge eating is it feels really out of control. It almost feels like there's a hyperness to it. Like I I couldn't stop if I wanted to. You just feel so, so very out of control and the eating is so rapid that you're not really even tasting that food or enjoying it and you may not even be hungry. And I I like that. I caught that word. You said a hyperness about it. And interesting, compulsive eating is part of BED, correct? But as you're saying, not the same. That one is definitely... Uh, meet certain criteria, and this other compulsive eating can be part of it. Yes, exactly, exactly. The, you know, there is a difference, and the difference is really in the intensity and the frequency. Okay. So today, our focus is on compulsive eating. As a dietitian, I often see compulsive eating start as the result of diet restriction, where foods are seen as, okay, this is good, or this is bad, and I'm bad because I ate it. And when you don't allow yourself certain foods, at some point, it's easy to say, forget it, and eat way too much of that restricted food. And at other times, I've seen it start as a mindless habit, like munching in front of the TV. So instead of eating meals of protein food and your other macros on a regular schedule, you kind of get in these mindless habits, and before long, you're compulsive eating. So from your perspective, how does someone typically start compulsive eating? Well, I agree with what you said. You know, it's like, I agree with that diet, you know, restriction mentality. And then people feel deprived and that deprivation sets in and it's like, I'm going to have a little, and then you start consuming whatever it was you weren't allowing yourself to, and you kind of fall off that wagon and you're down a slippery slope. And then the guilt and shame come in and this, you start beating yourself up emotionally, and then you kind of give in and say, why bother anyway? And it's just such a downward spiral that once you start and that guilt and shame take over, it's just, it's just it turns into a mess. And then you feel like, why bother? And you might as well give in. So I'm thinking too, as from your perspective, are there underlying emotional issues or say a negative body image that goes with compulsive eating? Does that come before, after, or is that a part of it or not at all? Well, I think for a lot of people, there is a huge part of the the underlying issues, which is wrapped up in your body image. It could be that you were told by family or friends or relatives or kids or whatever, you know, that you looked bad or, you know, you have such a pretty face, if only you weren't overweight, all those kinds of messages. And when, when people give into compulsive eating, it's like, it's almost, it could be like, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to rebel and say the heck with all of you. So it could be a silent, like I'm giving you the finger sort of thing, or it could be, yeah, or it could be more, it could be self-punishing right? Subconsciously. It's like, well, you know, if what they're saying is true and 
you know, nobody's going to want me anyway. Then I might as well enjoy what I've got going on here with the food. So there could be some some self-punishing going on that is unintentional, of course. So I think for some people, there are underlying issues of low self-esteem and not valuing itself. I think for other people, it really is that rebellion to restriction. So I don't think we could say it's, you know, it's an across the board kind of thing, but we do know from research and other issues related to compulsive eating and body image and weight struggles that there are oftentimes, oftentimes underlying issues related to self-worth. So what stands in the way? Is it all of these different things that you're mentioning? Because what stands in the way of someone maybe asking for treatment or just maybe they're hesitant to talk about compulsive overeating and they just don't want to go there? What's holding (laughs) them back? Oh, gosh, there are a lot of possibilities here as well. So it could be that subconsciously, I don't really want to give up this behavior. Even though I want to have a healthy body and I want to live healthy, I don't want to give up this behavior because it's one way that, by golly, I can control my life, even though it feels out of control, right? It's like, I can choose what I'm going to eat and nobody's going to stop me. And it's really a, it's a rebellion thing, but you're harming yourself in this process. So So it's interesting. You just said, I want to jump in here because you said it's, it's a control thing, but you're controlling what's out of control. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like anorexia, right? There's a lot of control issues with anorexia and yet the person feels so very out of control oftentimes in life. So they think this is the one area of my life that I feel like I can have control over, even though they still feel out of control in that area. So that's very interesting. And those well, are much, a, much deeper issues. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, then I realized because, and more tied, I think into the true eating disorders too. Right. Exactly. So when it comes oh. to compulsive overeating, you know, there may be deeper issues. There may be, there may not be. Yeah, well, hold on, because back in a moment, Dr. Connie's going to tell us how common compulsive eating is in the bariatric community. Bariatric surgery success is thrilled to partner with New Hope Girls, women empowering women. They offer a discount to our community. Code TRANSFORM to save 15% and celebrate our shared commitment to transformation. Shop their beautiful bags at newhopegirls.com. Okay, Connie. How common is compulsive eating? And I'm not talking about across the board, although if you have stats on just the country, that would be great or internationally. But in our bariatric community specifically, does compulsive eating play a big role? Let's just say in weight regain or in success after the surgery and going through your transformation. How common is it? You know, the only stats I have about that are really more related to binge eating disorder. But from working with thousands of patients, I'm going to say that it's a fairly common occurrence. Now, I'm not going to say that compulsive overeating is as frequent as binge eating is, but I think that many people, because they're working so diligently to follow the guidelines of being a healthy post-op patient, that every now and then they're going to give in. Fortunately, they've got restriction to help, but they still feel like they're compulsively eating because they're eating more of something 
that is probably healthy and within the guidelines. So I'm going to say it's it's very common, um, not the frequency, but the number of people who engage in compulsive overeating is is high. Okay, so let's say someone is wanting to get cleared for surgery. Before they're cleared for surgery, do they need to be treated for compulsive eating first? Well, they need to be treated for binge eating disorder. Absolutely. Compulsive eating, I would say also yes. However, the reality is few people are going to mention that, even if they're asked directly, because they don't want to sabotage their chance of being approved for surgery. So honestly, even though the literature says that compulsive eating and binge eating disorder occurs in about 50% of the population of those seeking bariatric surgery, very few people are forthcoming with that. And I think there is some shame associated with that and some embarrassment. Uh, Yeah. Let's, let's get into that. So guilt and shame, what's the difference between guilt and shame when it comes to compulsive overeating? This is, this is a great question. And it also goes back to other underlying issues for this person, or is this a once in a while kind of thing? So guilt is like, ah, crap. I did something. I'm associating with how I'm feeling poorly upset about doing something specific. So I did this behavior and I feel bad about it. Shame, on the other hand, is a much deeper feeling that goes into, I'm a bad person. I can't be helped. There's something flawed about me inherently. So shame is about I'm being a bad person or there's something wrong with me versus crap. I gave into that and I feel bad about it. And it's not, guilt is not as deep or chronic as shame. Okay. That helps. Let's get even more specific because I know that the folks in my group, they're going to be going, Dr. Connie, okay, but what do I do about it? What do I do about it? So (laughs) let's talk about how do you overcome guilt? How do you overcome shame since they're very distinct, as you were just saying? What are your best strategies? And we've talked about this in almost every topic we've talked about because it's such a problem, not just in the bariatric community, but for a lot of us in our daily lives. The first thing, whether it's guilt or shame, comes down to paying attention to what you're saying to yourself. So if you're saying, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person, I'm such a loser, I'm such a failure, versus, well, that wasn't what I had planned for today. I know I can do better. Oh my gosh. Now those are huge differences. Negative self-talk versus positive. Okay. Say those one more time. I want people to really hear that. The strategy of seeing yourself as a loser versus seeing yourself as, eh, it was food. I made a mistake. Say that again. So powerful. Absolutely. So shame, if you carry shame, which is a deeper issue and absolutely needs to be addressed, probably in therapy says, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. I'm a failure or I just hate myself. I'm such a a loser. Something's wrong with me. That is shame. And that is deep. And it's going to affect 
all of your behavior, not just with your eating, but definitely with your eating. Guilt, on the other hand, says, dang, I blew it today. But you know what? I can still get back on track for the rest of the day and I can do better. So it's an awareness, it's an acknowledgement, but it's not a a battering of yourself. Right. And it's a separation of food from your personal being. In other words, food is not good or bad. Food is food. All right. So food is not good or bad. Food is food. But most people see it that way. And yes, there are healthier choices than others, but because you eat a less healthy food or a food in your mind that you might have termed as bad, it does not make you a bad person, correct? Correct. Absolutely (laughs) critical to this journey. Thank you. It food. So separating it and seeing food as food instead of food as part of who you are as a person. And you know, one thing, Connie, that I've seen over time is that giving into cravings and moderation on occasion is important because the more you ban foods and the more restrictive they become, the more you're going to overeat later because you did not allow yourself something you wanted for so long. So if every now and then you give yourself permission to have a small amount of something you absolutely love, in the long run, it cuts down on cravings and this that which skin can lead to emotional eating and onward. I agree with that completely with the exception of if a person has a biological addiction to something or a psychological addiction to a specific food, or if sugar triggers your brain such a way that you really can't stop thinking about it and just crave it more and more because then we're talking about an addiction. But aside from addiction, I completely agree. Give in to those once in a while so you don't go overboard with compulsion later. So we've talked about a lot of different things today, the difference in guilt versus shame, compulsive eating versus BED. Any, what haven't you said that we need to know in terms of some other best strategies before we wrap up? Yes, having a plan. If you know you're going into a situation that is going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of options that are on the list that you don't normally eat, have a plan. Give yourself permission. I'm going to have, you know, a a few bites of this thing and this thing, or I'm going to pick two things that I'm going to sample. So have a plan with permission built in if you're going into a dangerous situation, or have people who you can call if you get too involved in the food and, you know, aren't engaging in conversation. Somebody to help you stay focused on staying in line with your journey of healthy living. So have a plan going into difficult situations and have a plan for if you give in and don't feel good about it, for talking with people, working through it and getting back on track with your healthy plan. And I agree. And I want to encourage you to If you're struggling, it's okay to reach out and get help, whether that's with friends that support you, whether that's with a a mental health professional like Dr. Connie, but reach out so that you can reach the journey and the success that you want. You can go on your journey and be successful. Always, thank you, Dr. Connie, your time, your willingness to come on and take on these deep dive topics. Thank you so much. 
You are welcome. And thank you for the work that you keep doing. It's vitally important. So on we go to do good things. And remember, everyone, (laughs) as you go about your day to day, shame and guilt are different. So are compulsive eating and BED. So ask yourself, look at what you're doing. Don't be afraid to reach out when you need to. You are worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.